So happy St. Patrick's Day. Is there anyone else here this morning who has a bit of Irish ancestry other than me? Any, any of you have a little? So there's a few of you with it. This is good. All right. For the rest of you, they say everyone is Irish on St. Patrick's Day, so I declare all of you Irish for the day, okay? And this is kind of an eat, drink, and be merry day, remembering and honoring a, a guy by the name of Patrick who brought the Christian faith to Ireland and saw incredible transformation take place. And then uh, his form of Celtic Christianity, it, it had a huge impact on the Christian faith in Scotland, England, Europe, and right over here to Canada today. And you know, you wouldn't expect a Christian saint to be celebrated with huge parties, parades, big meals of corned beef and cabbage and beer, but that's exactly what's been happening for hundreds of years, because there's something about Patrick's approach to faith that is liberating, full of joy, a lot of fun, while at the same time, intense, absolutely intense in his passion for Jesus and to help people experience the transforming love of Jesus for themselves. Today, our, our culture kind of drops the Jesus side of it all and turns today into a big Irish pub crawl with green beer and a city like Chicago turns its river green for the day and Toronto, for some reason, had its St. Patrick's Day parade last Sunday, but St. Patrick's Day is a heck of a lot deeper than all that. From the get-go, let me put up a passage that the Apostle Paul wrote that is going to be foundational for my message today. I try to find common ground with everyone, doing everything I can to save some. I do everything to spread the good news and share in its blessing. You see, St. Patrick was a lot like uh, the Apostle Paul. He would do anything short of sin to help people come to know Jesus like color way outside the lines. And Patrick, like Paul, created huge discomfort for those who were raised in religion because he was not bound by any religious uh, tradition. He was bound by a love and a passion to see people connect with Jesus, uh, be filled with the Holy Spirit, and live powerfully transformed lives. So keep this in mind as I continue. I try to find common ground with everyone doing everything I can to save some. Now you need to know, I'm pretty pumped about talking about St. Patrick today. In this message, you'll pick up a few things about me, who I am, how I think. You'll see how my passion for St. Patrick impacts how I lead and even what Fort City as a church looks like. Because we're the kind of church that's willing to try anything short of sin to reach our city, really. We just want people to experience Jesus personally and powerfully, and we don't want unnecessary church traditions that many of us have been raised in to get in the way. At Fort City, we, we try to find common ground with the people who live here. Sometimes we call them McMurray, Mike, and Kim, and if it means coloring outside of normal church lines, we'll do that for your sake, for the sake of your friends and your family, so that we can all connect with Jesus. I've spoken on Patrick before. It was five years ago, so that's a good time gap, I think. So it's time to do it again. And since then, my, my journey with Patrick has grown. Every year, I, I read a book about St. Patrick or Celtic Christianity. Uh, this past February on the beach in Mexico, I read a book called The Secret Gospel of Ireland, and it's got this awesome subtitle, The Untold Story of How Science and Democracy Descended from a Remarkable Form of Christianity that Developed in an Ancient Ireland. I know that's not what most of you would read on the beach, but anyways, uh, I, I've read another book, How the Irish Saved Civilization, and these are kind of audacious claims, right? And 
Those who study history will tell you that the impact that Patrick and Celtic Christianity has had on the Western world has been that huge. And what I'm hoping for today is that the story of St. Patrick will inspire you to think about what it means to be on mission for Jesus, what it means to make a real difference in this world. I, I, I hope you'll just see what it means to be a follower of Jesus and how we can be effective at changing this city and world for the better, much like Patrick did in the power of the Holy Spirit. Now, a further disclaimer. I grew up in an Irish Catholic family that celebrated the story of St. Patrick big time. Yeah, lots of corned beef and cabbage and beer. It was awesome. Looking forward to some tonight, yes. Some of you know that I've been doing a little bit of exploring my heritage through Ancestry.ca and 23andMe, and you, you can debate the merit of all of that, as some do, and this is not an ad for any of this, but it'll explain a bit of my passion for St. Patrick. So genetically, as I look at a couple of DNA reports about me, as I combine the two reports, I am around 78% Irish, 6% Scottish, 6% Scandinavian, with Norway dominating, and 0.2% Aboriginal Canadian. The rest is uh, English and Western Europe, but yeah, at 78%, I'm as Irish or more Irish than most people who live in Ireland today. And my DNA results actually go right back and connect me to the time of St. Patrick. And for me, this is kind of fascinating. And apparently I, along with three million other men of Irish descent alive today, we are all descendants of Niall, of Neil, a 5th century high king of Ireland who was king when Patrick lived. And so I think that's kind of cool. And uh, he's called Neil of the Nine Hostages because apparently, and some of this is myth, it's hard to separate sometimes the myth from the fact back then, but Neil took nine hostages from nine uh, royal families of various kingdoms in Ireland as well as Scotland and England that he conquered. And the idea is you take the hostage and then the land that he's conquered, they're going to behave while you have their hostage. You know, sweet stuff like that. And Neil is credited with uh, playing a key role, kind of a, a really huge role, in breaking uh, the power of the Roman Empire in Britain and France. And Wales was directly liberated from the Romans by King Neil. King Neil is one powerful military leader. Now I'm reading some of the research, and one of the writers makes this comment. When it came to the bedroom... It seems that Neil of the Nine Hostages was even more fearless and energetic than he was on the battlefield. His point being, that's why I and others exist today with his genes. And yeah, there's just this huge body of genetic research on this Irish line that I'm linked to, uh, done by, uh, mostly done by Trinity College in Dublin. Now, Doyle is actually a, a Viking name connected to Viking raiders in the 800s who settled in Ireland. So between Neil of the Nine Hostages and my Viking genes, I got a little bit of aggressive, violent genetics in my background. Not sure what that means. Uh, I'm kind of cool with it, though, and maybe that's why I like shooting so much. I just signed up for an Ipsic Black Badge pistol course, just saying. But this is what I really think is awesome, okay? It, it was King Neil who ordered the raid that saw Patrick kidnapped and brought to Ireland. In fact, some scholars believe that it was Neil himself who led the actual raid that kidnapped Patrick. And that gives me kind of an interesting personal connection to St. Patrick. It's my family that kidnapped him, sold him into slavery. Maybe, right? Now, King Neil of the Nine Hostages was unfortunately assassinated 27, year, 27 years after he became king. It was a revenge kill for something he'd done, someone he'd killed. 
Uh, this might have happened maybe just a couple of years after Patrick uh, was kidnapped, maybe a little longer. Dates are not always, you know, clear. Uh, another interesting fact. While Neil never became a Christian, a lot of his family, a lot of his direct family members became followers of Jesus because of the ministry of Patrick. And they became leaders in this new Irish movement called Christianity. And apparently 300 of Neil's direct descendants, or around that number, have been canonized as saints in the Catholic Church for their work at promoting the advance of the kingdom, sort of over a thousand-year period of time. And so I kind of like that I, I might potentially be genetically connected in all of that. I just tell you all of that to kind of get us into the story of Patrick. He was born in the year 387 into a noble or upper-class British Christian family. We're talking a lot of money and property, and he was a bit of an entitled kid. However, Patrick, you know, he was raised to know all about Jesus and how in the Celtic way to experience God in the beauty of creation. Celtic Christians were big on the outdoors, and he was taught the Bible, and he was taught basic Christian facts, the faith. But he proved to be a rebel, rejecting all of this Jesus stuff by the time he was in his teenage years. He started hanging out with the wrong crowd really early. By the time he was 15, he was hanging out in pubs, drinking too much, partying too much. He was sexually very active. And when he was 15, we don't know this for certain, but it appears he got into a scuffle or something and he ended up killing another guy. That's not been proven, but it's what scholars think happened when you put all the pieces together. Patrick himself does talk about this short period of time where some, a big sin in his life just happened all at once, and, uh, but won't talk about what it actually is. Uh, so he's a well-raised kid from a strong Christian home who just threw it all away to become a bit of a tough, hard-drinking, hard-fighting dude. He was a little out of control, and he ended up with a little blood on his hands. At 16 years of age, he was kidnapped by Irish barbarians, maybe led by King Neil himself, raiding and pillaging the British coast by Ireland, sold into slavery to a wealthy Druid named Miliuk. Now, Druids, they were part of a high-ranking professional class in ancient Celtic culture. Uh, they also served as priests for the pagan Celtic, uh, Celtic religion. So Miliak, he, he put Patrick to work herding cattle and sheep at the top of a very rugged, remote patch of lush green mountain in what is now Northern Ireland. It was an incredibly lonely existence where he had to fend for himself, he had to fend off attacking an animals, he had to find food for himself. You know, often he went hungry and he had to work really hard to stay warm and just do his job right or suffer the consequences. And this is where his good Christian upbringing kicked in. Sometimes, you know, kids raised in Christian homes who rebel have to hit bottom before they look up. So Patrick, all of this time, alone in the beautiful but harsh, rugged outdoors, it caused him to reach out to Jesus, who he'd been told about as a kid, and he writes about this in his confessions. Now, I recently read his confessions again on the beach in Mexico. I mean, you got to do more than just sunbathe and drink stuff, right? So I just loved reading his confessions. It's not a long read, but oh, it's powerful. Patrick writes, When I had come to Ireland, I was tending herds every day, and, and I used to pray many times during the day. More and more the love and presence of God and reverence for him came to me. 
my faith increased and my spirit was stirred up so that in the course of a single day, I was saying as many as a hundred prayers and as almost as many at night. This I did even when I was staying in the woods and on the mountain. Before dawn, I used to be roused to pray in snow or frost or rain. I never felt the worse for it, nor was I in any way lazy because, as I now realized, a spirit was burning within me. Do you see what's happened? That this passion for God starts to rise up in Patrick. The kid who would push God off to the side as irrelevant to his life, who partied a little too hard and maybe shed some blood in the process, was now personally experiencing the love and the forgiveness of God in his life. He was beginning to experience God personally, deeply, so that his spirit was beginning to burn inside of him. His spirit is burning because God is living in him and has a hold of his life. And by the way, this is what God does. He just loves. He, he just loves to take people who mess up, pour out his love and forgiveness all over them, and then empower them to give them a purpose to live for and to use them to make a difference in this world. That's what God wants to do for you. I mean, if you've got anything in your past, and who doesn't, that's a bit messy, just know that if you will give it over to God, he will cover it with his forgiveness and love and transform you for the better. God wants to do in your life what he did in Patrick's life. Will you let him, before you hit bottom like Patrick did, will you let him? Patrick's life became spirit-empowered. He was supernaturally transformed. And he started to pray real hard to be released from slavery. One night, he had a very vivid and riveting dream. He heard God say to him, Your hungers and prayers are rewarded. You're going home. Patrick writes that he sat up startled and now fully awake. The voice continued, Look, your ship is ready. Miliak's farm was inland, nowhere near the sea. But Patrick, in a step of faith, despite the huge risks that come from being a runaway slave, leaves and he doesn't actually know where he's going. In 28 days, he walks over 300 kilometers through territory he'd never been through before. And as he did this, he was never stopped or followed, which Patrick believes was absolutely a miracle. Eventually, he reached a south eastern inlet, probably near Wexford, which is where the Doyles of my family come from, just thought you should know. And it was here that he saw his ship that God had spoken to him about. For Patrick, this is huge, right? This is a God thing, a miracle, I mean. He un undertook this massive hike, living off the land as he went, with, with faith that God would lead, provide, and protect. I mean, historians, the people I've been reading say it's virtually impossible for a fugitive slave to get so far without being intercepted. Patrick put it very simply, I came in God's strength and had nothing to fear. I mean, that's huge faith. Uh, eventually, Patrick made it home to Britain. There he lived and served, and he ultimately became a priest. And then a few years later, he's visiting his parents, as, you know, we all do. And uh, that night as he slept, another vision came to him. A vision of an Irishman, one of the men who had kept him captive, spoke to him. And this is what Patrick records. It was there one night, I saw the vision of a man called Victor, who appeared to have come from Ireland with an unlimited number of letters. He, he gave one of them, uh, he gave me one of them, and I read the opening words, which were, the voice of the Irish. 
As I read the beginning of the letter, I, I seemed at the same moment to hear the voice of those who were by the wood at Volkot, which is near the Western Sea. They shouted with one voice, We ask you, holy boy, come and walk once more among us. I was caught to the heart and could read no more, and then I awoke. I thank God that after many years the Lord granted them their request. There's a, there's a pretty powerful sense of call there, right? And it didn't happen right away. There, there's a 12-year gap between when Patrick got this vision and actually ended up in Ireland. He, he needed those 12 years to learn and grow and to gain church approval for the mission in Ireland, but the, the call never left him. He was driven by this call. Calling is a powerful thing. And over the years, I've spoken many times about my call to Fort McMurray, the very profound and supernatural nature of that call where God totally reoriented the direction I was going in and called me to a city I knew nothing about. Uh, I have no regrets. It's been awesome. Not always easy, but awesome. Friends, do you believe it's possible? Is it possible that God still speaks in a near audible voice or even through visions today? Starting next week, we're going to do a three-week uh, series of messages called The Ghost, all about the Holy Spirit. We'll, we'll talk about being filled with the Spirit, how to hear God's voice, what it means to be supernaturally gifted and empowered, just what it means to walk day by day by day in the presence and power of the Holy Spirit, the ghost, as Patrick did. You know, I really believe that the intense supernatural experience that Patrick had with God is available to all of us. And that's what we're going to do starting next week. And we're calling it the ghost, an old name for the Holy Spirit, the Holy Ghost, because it's a bit of a mysterious name with an element of danger and the unknown attached to it. That starts next week. Okay. I don't have time to un unpack all the stories and all the miracles of Patrick's missionary work in Ireland. Historians have had to work hard to separate uh, myth from uh, reality, but the reality is God used Patrick to lead tribe after tribe in Ireland of faith all the way from the north to the south. And, and what Patrick would do is he would go knocking on the door of a king, a chieftain, a high-ranking leader, and he would bring gifts for the leader and that he knew you know, that the leader would appreciate culturally appropriate gifts and he would bring beer. And maybe that's why St. Patrick's Day is associated with beer. And he would ask for permission to set up a small Christian community, kind of a home for his team to live in and a church to serve the whole community. An ancient document called the Annals of the Four Masters reports that Patrick's mission had planted 700 churches and that Patrick ordained over 1,000 priests. And while not everyone became Christian, you know, a, a large portion of Ireland became baptized believers in his lifetime. Now, it was not always easy for Patrick. I mean, he's pushing up against some pretty powerful leaders who were strong in their pagan cultic beliefs and practices. There was some dark occultic stuff going on. There were huge confrontations between Patrick and these kings or local chieftains and druids. Patrick, on multiple occasions, was imprisoned, miraculously delivered from prison, and, and sometimes he just, he gave gifts and beer to get out of prison. This is all true. He did it all. Often, Patrick would have these spiritual power encounters with the Druids. Again, it's a little hard to separate back from fiction here, but yeah, powerful, miraculous stuff happened. 
And in the end, God used them to create one huge movement of faith that saw Christianity blossom in Ireland and literally change the history of that nation and actually impact the Western world today. And let me add something else. Patrick didn't just work to convert unbelievers to faith. He, he fought for issues of social justice. He didn't just pray the Lord's Prayer, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. He made that prayer his mission. History records that in Ireland, Patrick is the first public man to speak out and crusade against slavery. And that within his lifetime, or maybe short after, the Irish slave train came to a halt and other forms of violence and intertribal warfare were decreased. I mean, that's awesome. God used him to break the slave trade in Ireland to reduce war and brutal violence. Friends, that's what the gospel does when it gets a hold of a lot of people in a city or a country. It changes a whole lot of people for the better and it makes where you live better. Now we have Fort City. We have a series of values and like Patrick, we love where we live and we want to see God move powerfully here. This is how we put it in our values. This is our city. Fort McMurray is our home. We are here to play a life-giving role and be part of its story. We are here on purpose. Like Patrick, we want to have an influence on our city and, and make it a better place to live. We, we love our city. God loves our city. God's power is available to us today like it was in the day of Patrick to change our city and, and the people who live in our city. And friends, wherever the power of Jesus is at work, cities change, regions change, nations change. We believe that what God did through Patrick in Ireland, God can do through us in Fort McMurray. Because our God is still God, and he's promised to build his church. I mean, what did Jesus say? What is impossible with man is possible with God. It's what the angel said to Mary, for nothing will be impossible with God. Hey, we don't believe that the amazing story of Patrick has to be something in history that you don't ever see happen again, right? We, we don't believe that the powerful ministry of Jesus is limited to when Jesus walked on earth either. In fact, listen to what Jesus said. I tell you the truth. Anyone who believes in me will do the same works I have done and even greater works because I am going to be with the Father. You can ask anything in my name and I will do it so that the Son can bring glory to the Father. 400 years after Jesus spoke these words, Patrick was doing even greater things. He was praying for crops and seeing rain come. He was praying for healing and seeing bodies made well. He was praying that the whole island of Ireland would come to faith, and within his lifetime, he, he saw much of Ireland become substantially Christian. Certainly by the year 700, 200 years after Patrick, it was a Christian land. Could God do that again? Absolutely. Friends, let's just be encouraged by the story of St. Patrick and believe that God could just as powerfully touch and change lives today, your life, your family's life, where you work, uh, and across the city. Nothing, absolutely nothing is impossible with God. And let's as a church pray that. Would you pray for that? God, do it again. Do it in Fort McMurray. Something else I want to take from the story of St. Patrick. Patrick was not the first missionary bishop sent to Ireland. A few years before Patrick, the Pope sent a bishop by the name of Palladius to Christianize Ireland. The mission of Palladius was a colossal failure. 
He, he took a cookie-cutter approach to faith. His churches, the few that he had, looked exactly like what you would see in Rome or Roman Britain. He was just too traditional, too stuffy, too churchy for the Irish. The only people that went to these churches were people who were already Christians, and they were people who had moved from Rome and Britain to Ireland. The Irish stayed clear. There was no spiritual breakthrough about to happen through Palladius. The Irish didn't like him. And, and you read what he wrote. It didn't seem like he much liked the Irish either. And the Irish people couldn't relate to how Palladius did church, which was the proper way, the Roman way. He was a good church boy, but it just didn't work. And so he didn't last in Ireland very long. And um, some say that he moved back and did well there. And other stories are that he was assassinated and that ended it. But... Patrick didn't just know the culture of Ireland because he was a slave. He loved the culture. He loved the people. You know, he just, as a slave, he fell in love with, his, with the country. And he was willing to do, like, anything short of sin to make the church look like something that Irish people would want to be a part of. The Apostle Paul said, When I was with the Jews, I lived like a Jew to bring the Jews to Christ. When I was with those who followed the Jewish law, I too lived under that law, even though I am not subject to that law. I did this so that I could bring Christ to those who were under the law. When I am with the Gentiles who do not follow the Jewish law, I too live apart from the law so I can bring Christ to them. So for Patrick, he became Irish to win the Irish to Jesus. He loved everything about the Irish, their passion for life, their zeal to fight for what they believed in, or maybe just fight, the rugged beauty of the Irish outdoors, even the slightly uncivilized roughneck but incredibly authentic, hospitable nature of the Irish people. And they knew he loved them. And over time, they made him a national saint, and today we celebrate the day of his death. Because of one man, full of the Holy Spirit, dared to listen to God and allow God to lead him to a wild place where his heart melted with the people he sought to reach. You can tell. I, I kind of like the story. There's one more reason why Patrick was so successful. It was the message he preached. The Apostle Paul said, For I am not ashamed of the gospel, because it is the power of God that brings salvation to everyone who believes. And Patrick was not ashamed of the gospel. He was not afraid to proclaim the grace and life-changing love of Jesus in a very hostile anti-Christian environment. And with the power of the Holy Spirit at work, that message changed lives. To a people who were caught up with the dark demands of multiple gods, uh, you know, gods who would only apparently give crops and livestock and children as they receive something in return. That's how the system worked. The Irish gods, they wanted blood, a lot of blood. Animal sacrifice, human sacrifice, maybe even the blood of your kid. Patrick comes into this world preaching a single creator, one God, who sacrificed his son for them, that Jesus Christ was the sacrifice to end all sacrifices. And that because of his death and resurrection, he brought a new, better life, and life forever and eternity. This ended the terrifying world of the pagan Irish gods who demanded so much, so much blood. And not only that, he said they could actually experience Jesus personally. They could experience his love and protection as they lived in a very scary, hostile world. They could experience his leading and guiding day by day by day that, that God was for them, loved them, 
wanted the best for them. This just blew their minds away. I mean, their gods were scary, demanding, petty, cruel. Jesus was love. And to a people steeped in violence, including a lot of sexual violence and a lot of sin-wrecked relationships, Patrick is preaching that you can have your sins forgiven and start a whole new life and that you can have a deeply personal experience of Jesus every day of your life throughout your day. He's preaching the words of the Apostle Paul. This means that anyone, anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone. The new has begun. This mission of Patrick with his uncompromised gospel message saw most of Ireland converted to Christ without bloodshed, without fighting within his lifetime. Incredible when you think about it. I mean, that's the power of the gospel. And this is... I would say the most important part of the story of Patrick. It's the message, the uncompromised gospel proclaimed in the power of the Holy Spirit that Jesus himself will forgive us, come live with us, and transform our lives for the better. It changed Ireland. It can change your life. It it can change the city. We we believe that. We passionately believe that. So on this St. Patrick's Day, let me just ask you, have you really chosen to follow this Jesus? Not not just dabble in Jesus, not just hope that turning up here on Sundays from time to time might might help out a little bit, but have you actually taken the time to ask Jesus to forgive your sin? Have you ever asked Jesus to come into your life with his Holy Spirit and given him permission to transform your life for the better? Do you live day by day by day asking Jesus to walk with you, asking Jesus to lead you? And and that includes leading you away from destructive behavior that the Bible calls sin and lead you into living and loving well. The gospel that changed the island of Ireland from a land of darkness and fear to a people who ended up having impact uh, on the Western world for the better, God can do that in your life. God can radically change your life for the better now and forever. Will you invite him to do that? And as he does that in your life, he actually wants to use you. Now, now don't be scared of this thought, but he, he wants to use you to make a difference in other people's lives. He used Patrick. He can use you. It might not look the same, but, but to follow Jesus, to follow the Holy Spirit, is to let Jesus use you, make a difference. And you know what? He'll actually speak to you about who you should connect with, who you should invite to church, who you should serve and love in a special way. Will you let the Spirit speak to you like Patrick did? On this St. Patrick's Day, will you give your life wholly over to Jesus and follow him into the mission that he has for you? It could turn out to be as crazy as Patrick's life. But wouldn't that be awesome? Would you bow with me in prayer? And, and I'm going to pray a couple of things right now. I'm, I'm going to pray where you can pray along with me and make a commitment to follow this Jesus. Uh, uh, and where you tell God that as you follow him also, and we need to all pray this, that we're open to hearing his voice and making a difference in this world. So bow with me in prayer and kind of take my words and you know, just take my prayer and make it your own. Lord Jesus, and if this you pray this, I've known about you, I've done church, I've hung out with your followers, but I've never really surrendered my life to you. I've never really made a commitment to be a full-on follower. Today, I make that commitment. And if that's you, would you pray that this morning?
I, I pray for the forgiveness of my sins, for the things that I've done and the things that I have failed to do that have dishonored you and hurt others, even as it's hurt my ability to live and love well. Thank you that you paid for my sin because of your death and that you overcame my sin because of your resurrection. And so I invite you, through your Holy Spirit, to come into my life, to fill me, to transform me into a better version of myself. Help me to live and love better. And I will read your word, the Bible. I will commit to being a participating part of your local church. And day by day, I will seek you for your leading. Use me to make a difference for you as you use me to help others experience your love and healing for themselves. Give me the passion of St. Patrick that I would be intense in my love for you and intense in my serving of you. And I pray for my city that more and more people in Fort McMurray would experience your healing grace and transforming love for themselves and that I might be your instrument as part of that. I pray all this in Jesus' name and for his glory. Amen.